Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is January 27th. I am David Gasper, joined by co-host Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. And joining us as our special guest this week is Milwaukee Brewers right-hander Josh Lindblom. Josh, uh, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast. I hope everything's going well. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's always good to talk baseball. Always, especially in, in the middle of winter. You know, we're here. I know. We, we just had six, eight inches um, come down of snow. Um, it's It's been uh, pretty brutal here the last couple of I know. Of days. I was, I've actually been a little disappointed. Our The guy that was uh, shoveling our driveway decided that he wanted to quit right before the big <laughs> snowstorm. So it, was, it wasn't very Ooh. good timing. So I've been scrambling trying to find somebody to shovel my driveway. <laughs> oh, man. But, we found yeah, that, somebody. That's rough. It's, it's, it's all good. Just, yeah, and especially because we had like the blowing and drifting as well. So yeah. you just had some where it's just it, it's all over the place. Well, I, I felt bad for our mailman. Off season there, if you got the same snow. Um no, so we our house in Milwaukee, in oh, the northern okay. Indiana right now. Yeah, so our I felt bad for our mailman. I'd see him on like our ring camera, um, <laughs> walking through, trudging through the snow. We're like the only house on the street without a mailbox on the on the road so I, I felt bad for him we had to figure something out oh yeah but we're i'm, I'm currently in yeah i'm currently in lafayette indiana boilermaker country so sorry guys if you're wisconsin fans <laughs> yeah it's okay we'll we'll forgive you for it all right <laughs> you're not from minnesota so yeah, everything's it's, it's fine right. yeah. Yeah. as long as it's not minnesota or chicago <laughs> yeah i think we're pretty much good perfect so uh, here on the Cold Brew Podcast, um, you know, as always, you know, having a having a beer as we're talking some baseball. I've got the the Miller Lights in honor of uh, the Miller Lights signage or the Miller signage being taken down from I saw that American Family Field today. Yeah, it's also what I normally always have, but yeah, <laughs> Matt, what do you got down there? Um, I feel bad because I just trashed Minnesota and now I've got a beer from Minnesota. Um, but got a cup, a few buddies who uh, run a brewery out in Minneapolis, uh, Bauhaus Brewery, um, not your good old uh, IPA type brewery, a lot of German forward beers that they have. So special beer for a special occasion. For sure. And, then, and then Josh, is and that beer I, of the yeah. root variety? No, it is. Uh, it's a special brew. It's the brewer's beer. Uh, you can see the. <laughs> The oh. marketing company spent a lot of time on the label, um, so it's new. Um, I can I can show you where to get it if you want it. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm down. <laughs> Limited oh, edition, man. so might only be one. <laughs> For sure, totally in. Um, so a uh, lot lot of stuff really kind of you know going on throughout the offseason. You're a couple weeks away from spring <clears throat> training as it's currently planned. Mm -hmm. um, so just kind of, you know, in general, we'd be going through, um, you know, the off season, fairly long off season, as we were kind of talking mm -hmm. about before, uh, we started here, one of, one of your longer off seasons that you've had, you know, just kind of in general, you know, how's it been going, Every, everything kind of, mm -hmm. uh, progressing pretty well, getting ready for the yeah, season. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, like, I think progression is the right word. Um, you know, as you get closer to spring training starting, um, you want to be in a certain place. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm where I want to be and maybe past that. Uh, and, you know, the, the one thing that a lot of people forget about or 
I don't know if they forget, but they just don't think is, I think this has kind of changed over the years with like spring training um, is that guys almost show up nowadays, like opening day ready for spring training. Um, and I remember when I was first coming, like my first year in major league camp was 2009. Um, so that's a dec over a decade ago now. Uh, <laughs> um, guys would, you know, you, you realize you still have six to eight weeks to work on stuff. Um, the setting's a little bit different because it's in-game scenario. Um, but there, there's still time to get better too. Um, not that you want to show up out of shape because that's never the case, but, um, for where I'm at now, I feel like I'm ahead of where I have been in, in years past. So I'm, I'm excited about that. So we keep hearing that, uh, hopefully spring training pitchers and mm -hmm. catchers reporting, uh, is going to start on time as planned. Yeah. Have you heard anything different that would lead us to believe otherwise? You know, I, to be 100% honest with you, and this isn't like a cliche, um, don't ask me again. <laughs> and it's sad, but I usually find out on Twitter. Uh, so like sure. Twitter, I mean, like it, love it and different, like they get info pretty fast. Um, but as, as far as I know, um, uh, we're leaving February 8th to head out to Arizona and the 17th is our uh, report date. So it's, until somebody tells me otherwise, that's what, that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I got, got to keep the Ken Rosenthal Twitter notifications uh, yeah. kept up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's always um, good. So yeah, a couple weeks away, you know, just about heading down there. Will you be reporting to American Family Fields of Phoenix in the best shape of your life. <laughs> How did I know that was coming? I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I feel pretty good right now. I don't know yeah. if it's best shape of my life. Um, I just saw that Adam, uh, there's a Brewer's inbox and he wants coming up tomorrow, I think. And I was going to ask him, I was going to tweet him back and say, I want to know what type of shape you're in. Um, <laughs> so I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape. I'm in pretty good shape. I'm in, I'm in fighting shape. So okay. we'll, we'll, like we'll go that. from there. Yeah. I'm in fighting okay. shape. Yeah. I'm good. All right. <laughs> I, I will take that. So like, did, did you have any like, um, like body goals, like coming in the season? Like I remember like last year, like Lorenzo Cain dropped like, you know, 10, 12 pounds. Mm. Or, like, did you have any, any like targets you were, you were trying to hit with the, with the off season training? Uh, yeah. Six pack. Um, I was shooting for the body <laughs> issue, but they haven't called yet. Um, <laughs> so I didn't hit those goals. Uh, no, I'm, uh, you know, I, I feel like it's just, I'm like the same all the time. Um, you know, I'm always like around the same weight. Usually I do some of some similar stuff more so like what I worry about is like, am, is my body moving well? Um, can I get out of bed without my back hurting? Uh, just, just little, little stuff like that. I mean, your, your focus kind of changes a little bit. I'm like the elder statesman, one of the elder statesmen on the team now. Um, I don't, I don't feel old by any means. Um, but yeah, it's your, your focus has kind of changed. Uh, you just want to be healthy. Um, so, you know, knock on wood, um, I'm healthy. I feel great. Um, I would say this is the best I've felt in a lot of off seasons. I would, I don't know if I'd go as far as best shape in my life, but it is the best <laughs> okay. I've felt. Um, outside of, um, the fastball work, which we'll touch on in mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, did, did the Brewers give you anything that they wanted you to kind of focus on or work on in the off season? 
Um, yeah, I kind of kind of had an exit meeting. Uh, it was about, I don't know, about a week or two after the season, kind of sat down, um, just went over the season, kind of like reviewed the season, which is, which is always good. Um, you know, that's something that I've, that I've done the last like four or five years is try to sit down and just give myself like an honest assessment um, of kind of how I, how I perform, things I can get better at. So having, and that was just me doing it like in my mind. So having somebody, you know, externally come and kind of give you feedback on things you did well, things you need to improve upon, um, was it was really beneficial. Um, and that kind of steered the off season for how I wanted to attack, you know, some of the pitch design stuff, um, you know, working on the fastball, like you said, we'll get to, but just, just other little things that um, weren't where I wanted them to be during the course of the season. Right. And that's just kind of, you know, maybe also part of the adjustment period coming back mm-hmm. from playing in Korea for a couple of years and just kind of, you know, coming back to facing uh, major league yeah. hitters, a, a totally different group. Um, what was really kind of the biggest difference that you found between um, pitching in, in Korea against the hitters over there versus coming back to the big leagues besides being in South Korea and, and being in the United States? Yeah. Um, you know, I think familiarity uh, was, was a big thing. Um, just, you know, I was facing all these guys for the first time uh, and they were facing me for the first time. So it's kind of a, I guess, net zero there, but, um, you know, I, I'd face the same guys for five years. I have a history, I have a track record with them. You feel comfortable with the scouting reports. And, you know, now I'm trying to develop new scouting reports. I'm trying to take the information that the brewers are giving me with the information that I'm doing in my research, synthesize those two things. Um, and just, you know, try to go out with a plan. Um, and, you know, I think that kind of, impacted my performance a little bit maybe where I, I think too much um and you know the last three four outings were really good because I kind of threw that out the window um and just just went out and attacked the zone um got ahead in the count and just simplified I mean it seems like every offseason there's a guy that comes out and says oh what what was your success attributed to oh I simplified um but I think that really was the case any old nemesis nemesis i don't know whatever plural of that is um you Nem- said you know let's go with that <laughs> um anyone you Any were familiar folks? with kind of upon coming back from you know back the pre-korea days um with your yeah, i should say with think. the limited schedule you actually yeah of opponents you actually got to play i'm trying to think that's a good question so my last year, I think I was in the AL in mm-hmm. 14 and 13. So 12 would have been my last year in the NL. Um, no, I can't. I mean, man, I can't. Was Rizzo already with the Cubs in 11 and 12? Or was he still with the Padres? He might have been. I can't remember. Not sure. No. I have to look that up. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it would have been a guy like Rizzo or I'm trying to think of other guys. Well, I played with Nelson Cruz with mm-hmm. the Rangers. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. That would be a good stat. I face deep anybody. dive. Yeah, yeah, deep dive. Anthony Rizzo got to the Cubs in uh, 2012. 12. Um, so, maybe, 
Maybe having that bat against Rizzo. Maybe. Yeah. I got – yeah. Possibly. Because I got Possibly. traded to – so I was in the East, NL East, when I got traded to Philly in the West. So we didn't really play a lot of Central. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Goldschmidt. Yeah, Goldschmidt ah. would have been one of them. With the, when he was with the Diamondbacks. When I was with the Dodgers. Yeah. The old <clears throat> Brewers killer, Paul Goldschmidt. Ugh. Yeah. I was, I was so annoyed when I saw he got traded to the Cardinals because <laughs> I, I knew he'd be good there, and I knew he'd just be annoying. Yeah, he's he's a good hitter. I, I remember mm-hmm. him in Double A the year he got called up. It was amazing. I think he, I think you have to fact check me on this, but I'm pretty sure that um, Paul led the Southern League in home runs at the All Star break, and then nobody overtook the lead for the rest of the year. <laughs> something he had something crazy. It was like twenty or thirty home runs in the first half. Um, and then he's obviously never seen the minor league since. But you have to you have to fact check that one. But it was a pretty amazing stat. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of crazy numbers that, that some of these guys put up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, unfortunately, gonna have to face him for the next couple of years. But luckily, you don't have to face Christian Yelich anymore. So you got that going for you at least. I do. I do. He's a great hitter. Obviously, great talent. Um, you know, I think last year was just a blip on the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, you're always going to have struggles. Uh, it just stinks that it was in a shortened season. So like everything was magnified last year. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're waiting for Christian, you're waiting for really a lot of guys to kind of break out of it. Um, but then you realize like as a player, like I don't have 162 games to turn this thing around. So then you start to press and, you know, if he has a good month, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was last year, you know, it was, I think I just call it an enigma year. It's just weird for a lot of guys. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people have kind of the recency bias of, you know, it's the, his first bad year in three. No, it's his first bad year in eight. The guy ever. has been a good yeah, hitter ever. for yeah. years, even before he got to the Brewers. So, you know, yeah. one year anomaly, we're mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. And you see, I mean, you just see with our team, you know, historically like all those guys that we have are good players they're solid Mm -hmm. players and it just stinks that in a 60 game year we all struggled um but even with struggling like we made the playoffs i know it wasn't an ideal situation to make the playoffs we still got there Mm -hmm. um so i mean you get those guys turned around to their career averages and it's like we've got a we've got a really good team yeah and i mean even even if any of those guys were playing normal like Instead mm-hmm. of finishing fourth and back in the playoffs, like you're probably right up there with the Cubs for yeah. the division title. Well, and then you, you know, and then you think too, like we lose Lorenzo, mm-hmm. um, and that I mean that hurt not only just from a on-field performance standpoint, but from a clubhouse leadership standpoint. Um, you know, just being a, a key leader um, on the field, off the field. So, you know, this year getting him back, um, so you slot him in. I mean, it's not every day you can just slot a gold glove center fielder into a lineup. Um, so, I mean, we're, we have a really good team. Uh, and last year, you know, it was just it just stunk that everybody kind of struggled at the same time. And it happened to be for, you know, a 60-game season. But uh, those guys, you know, they never stopped working. Um, and I'm not just saying that as their teammate, like just to pump them up, but you know, those guys never stopped working. They were doing early work. They were trying to figure it out. Um, and sometimes, it, you know, it's baseball. It just doesn't go your way. 
Yeah, absolutely. It goes that way. And, you know, there's just a lot of circumstances affecting the season. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the strangest circumstances, I think, to all of those guys was the fact that there was nobody in the stands at all for for any Mm -hmm. of the games. And normally there's, you know, 30, 35, 40,000 people at these Brewers games normally. So how much do you think did not having fans affect uh, you or maybe um, the other guys on the team? You know, I actually had a conversation with somebody about this a little bit after the season. Um, and if like, if you look at uh, like some of the numbers from like, there were some really, really good rookies and like younger guys this year. And, you know, I think what that allowed them to do is like, I remember my, for my rookie year, like learning to deal with that pressure um, and the excitement of the fans in the stadium was like 90% of the battle. Um, you know, when I was with the Dodgers and you're going into San Francisco and people are yelling at you as you warm up, like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Uh, if you're in Chicago and you're with the Brewers and you've got fans, you know, when I was there, the, the bullpens were on the field um, and you felt like people could like reach out and touch you. So, but you saw younger guys that could come up and they could just play. They didn't have to worry about dealing with that. Whereas we had, you had some veteran guys that struggled because I think um, over the years of their career, they've, they're able to channel that energy in a positive way. Whereas you see younger players, they're not able to channel it um, and then direct it in a positive way. They get out of, you know, they get, they go crazy. They get out of whack. um, They can't perform. Um, so I, I think you saw kind of like both. Uh, so it was a good year for younger players to come in. I mean, you look at, you know, some of the guys we had in our bullpen that were younger that came in and pitched unbelievable. Um, and you're coming in in close games and you don't have to deal with that pressure of, you know, being in Philadelphia and warming up and people saying really not nice things to you. Or uh, So I, it, it was good for young guys to kind of like get a taste of, the big leagues and realize, Hey, I can perform here. But then, like you said, for some of the uh, more veteran players that wasn't there, um, you know, you're eating in the stands before the game. Um, you don't have the same routine. It's just, it's just kind of weird. Yeah. Mean fans in Philly. I've never heard of it. No, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're pretty nice. Um, they get a bad yeah. rap. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think so too. They're, uh, they're actually better for the, the visiting team. Usually I, I learned that <laughs> they're better. They're better for the visiting team there for the home team, usually, which is weird. Do you think it'd be the opposite? <laughs> it's, uh, it's an interesting so. point, though, um, because there there were a lot of other veterans across the league who struggled. That wasn't just a Brewers problem. Um, yeah. And a lot of those rookie of the year battles towards the end of the year were were something. Mm-hmm. I mean, props to Devin Williams for coming out on top in the NL. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um Bohm and Cronenworth put up amazing seasons yeah. and yeah. they weren't the only ones. So that's, I, I never really thought of it that way, but that's an yeah. interesting point. Yeah. So it's good. I mean, it's good to get those young guys up, I thought, um, and, and let them play and kind of get realize that they can play. Now, you know, I had a, my bullpen coach uh, when I was with the Dodgers, he always talk about, um, he'd tell me that, you know, when the lights come on and they add the third deck, like that's when you start to notice who can handle this. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the third deck's empty, uh, it makes for a little different atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of those guys and it, it's just, 
it just kind of kept on with that weird feeling, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just, you know, you get to the, like, you know, the big situations, you got a couple guys on and, and, mm-hmm. you know, late in the game, you're down by one and you're just used to like a giant buzz in the crowd. Yeah. And it, it's just kind of like hard to explain, but just, it, it just kind of like feeds you and just kind of like makes you yeah. like play better almost in a sense. Well, even, you know, it was weird last year. Obviously I, you know, I just watched um, Christian from afar but it seemed like this season he came up in a lot of situations that were like that situations that he'd mm-hmm. come up in the last few years and come through in. And the, you know, the expectation and the dugout was like, he's getting the big hit. Like it's going to happen. Like he can't keep not getting the big hit. Um, but then, you know, it just, you know, just the funk, like it just kept happening. Um, but you're right. I think that, you know, not being able to feed off that energy, um, you know, and then trying to feel for the mechanic or, you know, wh- whatever it was, um, it just didn't click for him. But I mean, I know, you know, know he's working um, on all that stuff. So the, the Christian Yell's 2021 revenge season is going to be spectacular. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be so awesome. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> oh, man. I, I can't wait. Um, and one of the guys, one of the rookies here that, that we mentioned, Devin Williams, um, you know, e- even pitcher. with, you know, big crowds yeah. or whatever, you'd think with the nastiness of, of those pitches um, and that changeup that he'd be able to succeed no matter what. And I know a lot of you guys on the pitching staff were trying to replicate it. So how is the process of copying <laughs> Devin Williams' changeup going for you? You know, I, I told him that I one time during the season, I said, I don't want to learn it. I said, I think you rely on it too much. I was like, you throw 97 and all you want to throw is changeups. Like, that's not fun. Like, how is, how is that fun? Uh, so give me your fastball. You can keep your changeup. Just give me your fastball. Like, I, don't, I don't want that changeup. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, whenever, you know, it, and it doesn't help with, like, Pitching Ninja and Twitter and Instagram. And, like, if somebody throws a nasty pitch, everyone's out the next day. It's like Little League. You know, you, like, you're trying to make up pitches when you're out there. Um, but, it, I mean, it's a good thing that that information's there now. So, but they're, I mean – there's a lot of things that um, we can use now to help try to replicate those pitches. But, you know, that's, that's something that just, I, I think is unique to him um, that, you know, no matter how hard you try, I don't think anyone's going to be able to throw that pitch. Um, speaking of pitches, I know a lot was kind of made, especially as we would watch the broadcasts about your pitch repertoire mm-hmm. and how expansive it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's, obviously more pitches than you see from a lot of starters. Uh, I I mean, how did you come across having that big of an amount of pitches to pull from? Did it just kind of happen over time? Did you work towards that? We might need, I might need to come on next week for this story. Uh, You (laughs) might have to have me back. That's okay. (laughs) So I, uh, I went to, when I went to Korea, I was four seam, two seam slider, curveball I threw like once a game maybe in a changeup um and when I got there I couldn't strike anybody out guys were found my slider was my strikeout pitch uh couldn't strike anybody out so I needed a pitch that I could strike people out with so then I started throwing the split um and I just my slider I really didn't throw too much uh so then I started struggling with lefties and I needed a pitch that was coming in like hard to a lefty. So I was like, all right, well, I threw a slider. I can probably throw a cutter off of that if I just try to shorten it up a little bit. 
So then the slider turned into a cutter. Um, and then I ditched the two seam. Um, and then it was, it's kind of funny that uh, going into the off season before I signed with Milwaukee, one of my goals was to develop like a sweeping slider. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the first meetings that I had with Milwaukee during, during that off season, I said, you know, one of my goals is to develop like this sweeping slider. Is that something that you guys would be open to? And they're like, it's funny you mentioned that because that's one of the things that we wanted you to do anyways. Um, nice. So then I was like, match made in heaven. Let's do this thing. Uh, so that's kind of how I got to all those pitches. It's just, I, I saw a need for it. Um, I thought, you know, even if it allowed me to get one or two outs a game, uh, it would help. Um, and, you know, they're, they're all just tools. Uh, they're, you know, they're tools in a tool belt. Um, if you're building a house, you can't build a house with just a hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that allows me to do too is, you know, obviously the pitch mix is expansive, like you said, but it gives me freedom on any given day to be like, all right, if my curveball stinks, like I have another breaking ball that I can throw, or if mm-hmm. I lose a breaking ball, like I'm not stuck with like a two or three pitch mix and it's. I don't have my curveball today. I can only throw a fastball and change up. What do I do? So it, it gives me some like wiggle room um, because, you know, I don't have an overpowering fastball. Um, I don't throw 97, 98. Um, so I have to command my fastball a little bit better than, than a lot of people. Um, so it just gives me a way to disrupt timing, um, gives different looks. Um, and that's just kind of the way that I get guys out. Yeah, it seemed to be, you know, pretty, pretty effective there, especially in, in the last um, mm-hmm. couple of outings, you know, it was maybe kind of a bit of a, a rough transition there at the beginning, but over your final five outings, you had an ERA of, of two, four, five. And, you know, what, what were really just kind of the, you know, adjustments mm-hmm. uh, that you made or just kind mm-hmm. of the things you figured out over kind of the, the end of the season um, to, to make that change? You know, the, the biggest thing was just not being ahead of hitters. Uh, you know, you can have, I'm sure that I've said it a thousand times, but like you can have the pitch mix I do, but if I'm not ahead, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to get backed into a corner and they're just going to eliminate the pitches that I don't throw for strikes, um, which wasn't very many early. Um, and then key in on one or two pitches. Uh, so the biggest thing was throwing strikes and getting ahead of hitters. Um so I, I really challenged myself the last couple outings uh, within the, you know, see how fast I could get to two strikes. Um, that, that forced me and forced me into the zone. Um, it forced me to throw strikes with all my pitches coming out of the bullpen to identify which pitches I could command. Uh, there was, there was a crazy stat um, that they gave me. It's probably six or seven starts in. Um, so I was like, top seven ish it was I know it was top 10 for sure like maybe in that five to seven range of swing when I threw my fastball in the zone my swing and miss percentage was like top five top 10 in all of major league baseball for qualified starters but I was second worst in throwing my fastball in zone ah I, so I can I was see how like, that might be a problem yeah so I was like well just throw it in the zone like duh like put me in a dummy um 
So that, I mean, that kind of is where it started to change a little bit where I really started focusing in on, you know, when I was in Korea, it was the same thing. Get the two strikes as fast as you can, um, execute quality pitches in the zone, um, and then go to work with all your other pitches, uh, show different looks. Um, so that, that was really kind of, it was more of a mental change than anything. Then, you know, the, real, the pitch mix really didn't change that much. Maybe usage changed a little bit. Um, to focus more on what pitches I could throw for strikes, but, uh, but yeah, just a mental mental change. You know, with all the analytics that we have in the game and all the numbers they throw up out there, you know, that's a pretty simple philosophy: just throw strikes, right? Yep. Yeah, just throw strikes. Uh, and you know, you know, I look at there was a point in the year uh, I can't remember. Oh, it was a Chicago game. My pitch in Chicago, I threw like well i mean i think i struck a lot of guys out but like i walked i think i walked like five guys and so i'm sitting down at that point i think i had you know six seven i can't remember what it was, six or seven starts in and i had walked like 15 guys and i looked at my stats and i'm like i threw 195 innings last year and i walked like 20 some guys i was like i'm halfway there and not even a fraction of the innings like this has to stop like you don't go walk out you don't go walk five guys in a game um because yeah. you just you just kill yourself like you're you're you know you're like I, you know i said you put yourself into a corner but you feel like you're always back you know, feel like rocky balboa like rope a dope like and someone's eventually <laughs> gonna land someone's eventually gonna land a knockout blow um but you know i it's just you just make it way harder on yourself than it is yeah. And, and the old coaching adage of walks kill you. Yeah, it's, yeah. seriously. It, yeah. It, it holds true. They're, you know, there's they're, the reason, there's a reason that they're cliches um, because they're usually true, <laughs> even though they're cliches. Yeah. And that yeah. looks about right. Looking back at the game logs, one walk in the last five games. So results speak there for themselves, go. right? There you go. You got to peer behind the curtain. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, something that I, I saw uh, you mentioned on, on Twitter a couple of days ago, you're talking about uh, one of your goals for the offseason, improving spin efficiency. Mm-hmm. Now you're around like 82% or something like that yeah. on your fastball, and now you've got up to like 97, 98%. Yeah. And, you know, like we hear about all these numbers, like, oh, like this spin efficiency is good, this is bad. Mm-hmm. And, and we look at all this like, oh, just improve that and, and make it better. Mm-hmm. But I, I think something I'm curious about and, you know, probably other people, you know, listening, wanting to, to learn more about pitching are curious about how does one go about doing that? How, how does one improve their spin efficiency? Yeah. Uh, lots of boring, boring stuff. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like very, very slow, like methodical catch. Um, I went back. I remember when I was younger, I used to draw circles like on baseballs. So I would just draw like a line around the baseball and they, they sell these things. They're called like clean fuego balls now. Um, but it looks like a hockey puck kind of, and like you throw this hockey puck and you just want the rotation to be like perfect. Um, but I remember, you know, being six, seven years old when I was learning how to throw a baseball and my dad would draw these circles on baseballs and just to make sure that I would like backspin the baseball. Um, so I honestly, like I started doing that as soon as the season was over. 
is just making sure I could get that rotation to where I know my fingers are behind the baseball. You know, I'm not getting, you know, on the side of the ball and like coming around it. Um, because for what I'm trying to do with my four seam is, you know, ride it up in the zone. Uh, that takes away from what I'm trying to do. If you look at a lot of the guys, um, and, and then, you know, it's kind of amazing uh, that, you know, when you look at, you know, baseball savant or some of these other websites, the Statcast websites, like, that my, my spin rate is what it was um, from like a leaderboard standpoint. But if you look at all those guys, all their spin efficiencies are like 95 to a hundred um, unless they're throwing a cutter, uh, which that's a little bit different um, on the spin. Um, right. But, but yeah, I mean, I was like the lowest by like 15% on spin efficiency on that leaderboard uh, wherever I was at. So just focusing on that. Um, and, you know, I've started to see just on some of the Rapsodo numbers um, from a vertical movement standpoint, adding some vertical movement going from, you know, around 16 um, to 18, 19 inches of vertical movement, which is, which is big uh, for what I'm trying to do. So. So touch on that a little bit again, like what, what was it that led you to realize that you wanted to work on that a little bit? Cause like you said, um, based on pure spin rate, you do have one of the higher ranking ones, 94th percentile in the mm -hmm. league. So then what led yeah. you to, I need to work on this facet of the fastball. I think it just makes it better. Uh, you know, that spin efficiency, um, the actual, uh, they call it, you know, there's the, I'm trying to think of what it was like active spin as I think the number. So actual mm -hmm. spin that's going into the movement of the pitch. Um, so if I'm at, you know, let's say 20, I'm horrible with math. So like, <laughs> if you guys are good at math, you can figure this out because I'm not good. Uh, I'm not good at math. So if you're, let's say you're at, at 2000 RPMs just for sake of, e, or let's go with a thousand um, RPMs for ease of math and your spin rates at 82%. Well, there's only 820 RPMs that are going into the movement of that pitch. Hmm on the active mm -hmm. spin. So you've got, you know, essentially what it would be is that the higher you get that, the more the spin actually affects the movement of the pitch. So as I was, you know, I was losing out on some of those RPMs because my active spin rate was so low because of the spin efficiency number that I was getting. So now more of those RPMs are going into the actual influence of like what the ball is doing on its flight to the plate. Mm -hmm. So that increases and you naturally think, all right, more spin is influencing movement. So you think there'd be a jump and vertical movement. Um, and then even getting behind the ball more, there might be an increase in spin rate as well. And then the more movement you have, the less likely hitters are to get it on the barrel. And exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The more success you have. Exactly. And then so it's all, we hoist the yeah. commissioner's trophy and everyone's happy. And then everyone's yep. happy. No one's angry. Exactly. <laughs> See, who thought we were getting a math lesson today yeah, on top of all of this? Yeah. I don't know yeah. if that's a selling point or if we need to hide Fun that. with numbers brought to you by Josh. Fun with numbers. Yeah. Exactly. Math, math for kids. Baseball math <laughs> for kids. Yeah. Should be a pitching ninja segment. Although yeah. he's not really a big, uh, huge math guy either. We, we had him, Pitching Ninja, a friend of the podcast, had him on um, a couple weeks ago. And, yeah, I mean, he, he could just, you know, talk about all this stuff for, 
for hours. I know you've sent your um, pitch grips to him yeah. um, and have kind of showcased all that. He's trying to get Corbin Burns's cutter grip. I'm not sure if you can help convince him uh, to, to get it, but we promised him we, we'd try to I'll try. try to help him. I'll attempt. I will attempt. For All sure. Because right. some of these things might be like, you know, top secret classified information. I don't know. You know, it's like, you know, with pitch grips, though, that's what's weird is like you go back to Devin's changeup is like there really aren't that many like cool grips. Like mm-hmm. it's just the way guys throw. You, know, you think someone's gonna have like this earth-shattering grip secret, and like if you had me throw Devin's changeup, it would be terrible. Like I, there's no way I could do it. So like it's not just like getting the grip, but it's understanding like, you know, there's the way that Corbin. There's so much that goes into it. You know, it's not in a vacuum. Um, so yeah, and it's kind of some. I think it was it was you on Twitter who was talking about it before when you're talking to. Uh, like Pedro Martinez's brother or something and talk about how like, like they threw like their pitches and it's like dude I can't do that like your fingers are that was so like long that's probably one of the that was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen I'm not yeah and it, it was cool talking to him too because um they had, so their younger brother um I think he was left-handed uh was it Jesus maybe but Ramon said he was like he was better than Pedro that if he I think he got hurt um but he was like he was the best of all of us because he was able to learn from both of us um but I mean you just think about three guys that are that good um and a baseball family three brothers mm-hmm. so I mean pretty pretty unbelievable but yeah his I, he was a special assistant with the Dodgers and it was like we used to have this uh, like a rookie development camp they do in LA and he was there one day and we were throwing flat grounds and he grabbed this baseball and it was just like, come on, let's <laughs> get serious. He's like, he could like throw the ball and like tickle the guy on the chin and like distract him. His fingers were so long. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as we get going into 2021, we're going to have a full season. I'm just mm-hmm. praying for this. Um, what are you looking forward to? for the most uh, in your second year as a Milwaukee Brewer here? Um, you know, personally, I think just, you know, seeing how these adjustments I've made playing games. Uh, but, you know, as, as a team, you know, the, the thing that we love about this game as players um, are the relationships we get to build. And that was so hard to build those last year, uh, just with mm. the restrictions that we had. Um, you know, no team dinners, no hanging out in rooms. Um, so I think just being able to build that camaraderie with your teammates. Um, I know a lot of guys, you know, they, they miss that. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the fun part of this game is like the memories you make, the friendships that you have. Uh, and then, you know, just I think coming together as a team, kind of knowing what to expect. Uh, we have a pretty close-knit group as it is. Um, and, you know, part of that is what the way that counts manages and um, just the guys that we have in that clubhouse. Um, so being able to accomplish something with those guys uh, this year, I think, would be it would be special. Absolutely. And, and that's something that I mean, we've kind of known because we've been, you know, covering the team, looking at the team for the past like several years. Um that like the the culture and just kind of you know the camaraderie of that group has really kind of led to them perhaps playing better than 
you know, the whole is better than the sum of their parts, you know, mm-hmm. essentially like, you know, in 2017, they really kind of like vastly outperformed really maybe their, their talent level or really the expectations because, I mean, they were just so close knit and really just kind of like having fun. And, and that's been something that we've seen kind of throughout, you know, 2018 and 2019 as well. It's just kind of been fun teams. It, it's been, yeah. you know, a really close knit group and, you know, he still had a lot of that group that was, still fairly close knit, but also there were a lot of new faces last year. And like you said, you know, no team dinners, no like team building type stuff that you could do. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that probably also played a factor in you got in the team really just kind of not having as great of a season as they normally do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's tough. Uh, you know, it was, you know, it stunk to be honest with you. Like it was not fun. Uh, it was not a fun first year back uh, to be, you know, I have to sit in your hotel room and, you know, not be able to go out um, to dinner or hang out with your teammates after the games. It was pretty much room, bus, field, bus, room. Um, but, you know, the, the culture thing, you know, that you mentioned is like the, the expectation was to win. Um, the, you know, the, the feel in our clubhouse, the vibe in our clubhouse was like, you know, not having been here, but everybody that had been here was like, September is our month. Like, this is when we make a move. Um, this is when we start to play really, really good baseball. Um, and, you know, there, there were some games that we played. We played well. We had just dug a hole that was, that was hard to get out of, I think. Um, and even with digging that hole, we were still able to make the playoffs. So, um yeah, it's, it'll just be a different year this year, I think. Yeah, Craig Timber, as we like to call it. <laughs> Craig Timber, I like that. Yeah, they, they, I mean, there's been, you know, a lot of success, you know, the last couple months. I, I think they started off September in 2019 going like 17 and four. You know, like it, it's just, you know, been a couple of crazy runs. And, and that, you know, was, you know, that was just the like, wild thing. That was the wild thing about last year was that like all it took was one good week of baseball. And you were right back in it. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a crazy thing is we kept telling ourselves was like, Hey, if we play one good week of baseball, like we're back in this thing, like, and we're ahead of the pack. So yeah. that, I mean, that was, the, that was the wild thing is that, no, you know, nobody else was really playing well either. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the NL central is really kind of up for grabs there. And you really, you guys really kind of crammed like that whole one good week of baseball into one game there against the Tigers when you put up like 19 <laughs> runs, you know? <laughs> like, that was a fun game. Yeah, that, that was fun to watch for sure. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. But, yeah, it, it's, it was just kind of, you know, right there. And now, I mean, you're going through the offseason here. The NL Central, I, I saw this today. The NL Central has spent just over $3 million in total on free agency. And, you know, everyone's really kind of, you know, taking a step back. The Cubs traded away you Darvish. There's reports that they're trading away Chris Bryant, which – or that they might possibly do, which I'm sure you would be excited about. But, <laughs> um, yeah, like there's – there really hasn't been much in, in terms of, you know, addition. The Cubs seem to be trying to take a step back. Mm-hmm. The, the Cardinals, um, the, the Reds have traded a couple guys away. And, you know, it, it just really kind of – Puts, I mean, this this whole division, you know, even though the Brewers haven't added anyone really to this point in the offseason, 
it's you know almost kind of a, a de facto favorite uh, in the division yeah. going in j- just because you guys really haven't lost that much. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Is like if you have you know five of your guys not have career worst years, and you get Lorenzo Kane back. I mean, it's like a completely different lineup and it's a completely different team without really having to do anything. Um, and, you, you know, you trust the guys that you have, I think. Um, that's, you know, something last year that we never didn't trust the guys we had in the lineup. Um, and, you know, league-wide, it was that way, really. With the exception of a couple teams that, you know, you look at the Dodgers and um, that just kind of everybody played well, they're really – I mean, teams struggled across the board. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think it'll be a lot different this year for us. Yeah, and I think it's exciting to have, especially the Brewers pitching staff, you know, largely re- remaining intact, you know, mm-hmm. with players like yourself and Burnsy and Woodruff mm-hmm. uh, in the rotation, you know, Williams and Hader and guys like, you know, Yardley and Topa who kind of stepped up. Um, you know, how does it feel kind of being a part of, you know, a crew like that, that is going to have some consistency. Like you've got a lot of these same faces kind of coming back, going yeah. into really outside of, you know, Brett Anderson yeah. um, going into next year. Yeah. I think, you know, I think that adds into that team camaraderie thing you're talking about is you bring back pretty much the same team um, that went through everything that we went through last year. Uh, so you have that common bond already with everybody. Uh, and then you're, you're hung, you know, hungry to, to do more, um, to not have the seasons that we, that some of us had last year to improve upon those seasons, um, you know, to not feel like we let our teammates down. Um, so you have that close knit group coming back together. Um, and then you just kind of, they're just like little, little movements, um, that I think that you can add here. Um, it might supplement, um, obviously I'm not a GM, so I don't, you know, I don't know, but, um, David and Matt and everyone in the front office, they're uber smart. Um, and it's like, that's not our, our, it's not our job to, to think through those things. Um, it's our job to come, come together as a team, um, and then go out and, and execute, um, and play to the best of our ability. You mean the, the front office doesn't come down and, and ask your opinion on what free agents they should sign? I'm shocked. <laughs> they have not. I, tri- I, I tricked them uh, last year. So, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, I, I'd say, you know, there's, you know, they, they've done a, a pretty good, pretty good job finding talents um, and, and really kind of getting it. And, uh, you know, they've, they've had a fairly big focus, I, I think, on Korea. I mean, I'm sure, as you know, Eric Thames uh, mm-hmm. came over a couple of years ago, and uh, you faced him quite a bit over there in Korea, didn't you? I did, yeah. He hit really well off of me. He hit well off everybody, <laughs> so it really wasn't just me. Yeah. It, yeah, so, like, they've they've done a really, you know, good job with, with um, you know, team building over the last couple of years. We've, you know, like, looked at articles of, you know, like, what they're batting averages and you know because we, we've always talked about how you know Stearns in that front office has very high batting average and you know it, it's just kind of really good to see that you know for the most part you know all the you know the signings all the trades that they make um, work out 
And, you know, it, it's led to, a, you know, per, very productive team because, you know, even though like it was kind of like, you know, backed into the playoffs last year, just kind of barely made it. It's three years in a row now that the Brewers have made the postseason. And that's just, that's something that's never happened before in the 50 year history uh, of, of the franchise. And it, it's really just kind of th- this big window right now that, that the Brewers are in for a, a chance to, to compete and a chance to uh, possibly win their first world series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we have the talent to do that. Um, you know, I just look at, you know, you look at the, the Dodgers series. Uh, I don't remember what the scores of the games were. It was like, you know, three to one or something. And like, we weren't out of those games. Like it's not like we flew to LA and got whooped and then flew back to Milwaukee. Like, those were close games. We were, we had opportunities. Um, you know, we had opportunities to, to score. We had opportunities um, to minimize in innings. Um, you know, we're, we're one or two hits away from their one or two hits that they got away from us beating them. You know what I mean? Like, so if they don't get, you know, I think it was Will Smith that got the hit off. Woody. Was it Will Smith that got the hit off Woody up the middle? Can't remember who it was in that inning. Um, but Smith. It was one of the catchers. I can't remember. Yeah, I but think so, Smith was starting it. I don't think it was Kybert Ruiz. Yeah, so, I mean, they don't get that hit and we get a hit. That's like a different game. Uh, you know, the first game, if, uh, you know, you can talk about Suter, but Suter did an amazing job of minimizing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that could have been way worse than it was. Um, and we had opportunities that game to score as well. So it's like, you know, you're, and that's, that's baseball though. You're one or, we're one or two hits, us getting one or two hits and them not getting one or two hits away from that being a completely different series. Yeah. It's really just kind of, um, the way baseball goes sometimes, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's just yeah. you know, the craziest things. And, you'll have guys like Orlando Arcia just, you know, showing up in the postseason like mm-hmm. he always does. It's just kind of the weirdest thing. And, you know, of all the people on the Brewers home run or postseason home run leaderboard, you wouldn't think Orlando Arcia would be on there, but but he is on there. And it, it just it's just some sort of a clutch gene or something that, that he seems to have. Yeah, I mean, this is, he's he comes to the field every day ready to play. That's what's fun. He's always happy, always glad to be there. Um always has a great attitude. Uh, so, I mean, he just, he's ready to go. Um, I think that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. He's always got a big smile on his face, you know, he like he, he's, he's always happy, ready to, to, to dance or be at the end of the gauntlet or something. And, yeah. Yeah. It, I think it's just part of the, the fun culture or whatever the, yeah. uh, the brewers have, have cultivated. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, oh, Matt, go ahead. No, I was kind of off topic. The only question I was going to ask is, you know, being in Milwaukee now, like, have you gotten to experience much? Like, what do you think about the city? Have you gotten to experience any of it between kind of all everything, all the restrictions and mm-hmm. whatnot? Uh, yeah, uh, a lot of parks. Um, our kids love all mm-hmm. the parks. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, if obviously Lafayette isn't a huge city, but it feels like home. Uh, small, like, you know, we're 10, five, 10 minutes from downtown. Um, and like, 
it just it feels like home uh you don't have to deal with all the people that you have to deal with in chicago um it's sneaky one of like the best summer spots in the world probably um you'd never think about it but uh the summer was beautiful like perfect every single day um so yeah we we really enjoyed it uh kids enjoyed it um riding our bikes to different parks and uh, didn't get to experience a whole lot of like exploring like downtown and stuff being closed, but mm-hmm. we just, we just really enjoyed it. Um, it's the first time that we've felt like we were at home um, during a season. Yeah. And, you know, one part that none of us were able to experience this last summer, Summerfest, you know, down yeah, at the I lake. Heard that, yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that like I've seen over the past couple of years, like several, you know, players, you know, after games, They've mm-hmm. gone to concerts, you know, down there and just, you know, really just kind of enjoyed, you know, that, that part of the scene. Yeah. Yeah. We're, but we're excited about that. And then obviously my first year being back in the U S uh, you know, just families not being able to go to games. Um, that was hard. Didn't really have any family visit us. Uh, but you know, we're less than three and a half hours, you know, door to door from our house here to our house there. So it was easy for my wife to, throw the kids in the car and come home if she wanted when we were on the road. Uh, but yeah, we, I mean, we loved it. We were, we really loved it. People were great. Um, just it, like I said, it feels like home. It feels like the people feel like home. They're kind. Um, they're generous. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was a neat, neat atmosphere for us. Yeah. And it's great to see, you know, um, you kind of, you know, returning the favor as well and just, you know, kind of bringing that, that same kind of energy, just kind of matching the energy of, of the mm-hmm. city, um, you know, being kind of generous, you know, talking to, talking to us here on, on the podcast and, you know, being, being inter- interactive on Twitter with, with a lot of fans and a lot of us. I, I felt really bad um, over the summer when I did, you know, the, the Brewers quarantine houses and I accidentally omitted your name and, and you replied and you're like, Oh, I guess I'll just be by myself. I felt so bad. Like, <laughs> uh, Oh man. I, I, like, I didn't, that. I didn't mean to offend. I wrote a- Adrian Hauser twice somehow. One of them was, was meant to be yours. So sure yeah. I'm going to try to cover for it now. No, you, I mean, you, you'd, you'd have to do it. You'd have to do a lot to offend me. I, I enjoy stuff like that. And Twitter's hard because I kind of have like a really dry, sense of humor Mm -hmm. so it can i can kind of my wife always tells me like i need to tone it down a little bit because i can come off as a jerk sometimes if you don't know but like i'm i have a very dry sense of humor so i never want to like offend people because twitter like i can't smile after i say something like that right can't give like a little smirk like hey i'm I'm just joking um but you you would have to do a lot to offend me um just don't write any bad articles about me Anything. I'll be watching. Hey, I'll try not to. <laughs> uh, you you, you got to get the emoji game up there. You know, add that little. You know, there's too many of them now. I mean, it used to be like easy choices. Now there's like five thousand of them. I've got my. I always mess up like when I'm texting people, so I'll never look for the emoji. Like you can text the word and it'll pop up. Mm. So like on like I text like the fist or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'll text, I'll type fist, and then I'll, a lot of times I won't hit the emoji, so I'll just send the word fist. 
And my wife will be like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? It's like at the end, fist. What is this dude like, trying to punch me? They're like, thumb, like thumb, thumbs up. And I'll send thumbs up without the emoji. So it's you know, lose, lose. Oh. Yeah, got got to improve that emoji game, you know. Yeah. My, well, my wife first spin efficiency, then emoji. Then emoji. My wife's yeah. gift game is she has a really good gift game. So oh gift, yeah, gift whatever you want to call it. Gifts, yeah, yeah. gifts, yeah. That's yeah. speaking right to David. He's the gift master of the website. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. You can have a gift challenge or something. Whether maybe there one time. Go. Oh yeah, going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, but no, it's it certainly been, um, you know, like a lot of fun uh, looking at that stuff on Twitter. One of the um, more contentious things I, I think that have been going on on Twitter is the DH um, coming back into the National League. And I know you don't really have any answers unless you do, but I don't think you do. <laughs> I was highly disappointed because I looked really good in the batting cage last year before spring training ended. Um, I was bunting very, very well. Uh, my, I was more of like a triples hitter, um, (laughs) than like a doubles or home runs guy. Like my ball placement was really, really good. Like I was right on the lines over the bag. Um, so I, I was disappointed, but I, you know, I don't, I don't really have much on it. Um, yeah. You know, I know there's a whole economic side to it of creating jobs and, you know, stuff like that, which is great for players. Uh, but, you know, I, hitters are hitters. Um, and I mean, it just, it, yeah. it stinks that we, you know, have to argue about things like that sometimes, I guess. Um, but I don't, I don't really have a say in it. Um, right. I know, I know yeah. that nobody, I know that like nobody wants to watch me hit triples, you know? So <laughs> I don't know about that. I would, yeah. I would love to see you uh, motoring around in the third base personally. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe they do. Maybe the people, maybe we give the people what they want. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We, we got to get Bartolo Colon back in the league, have him hit some homers. We got to get you yes. hit some triples. Yeah. It'd be good. Um, Brandon Woodruff homers. Those are always appreciated. Those are Especially always off Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, well, actually, uh, I had we had this off season. Um, I'm I'm good friends with Clayton. Uh, played with him with the Dodgers, and we've stayed in touch. Uh, and we were we went and swam. So our kids are roughly the same age. So we went and swam uh, with their kids. And Brandon came, and he walks up, and Clayton's there. And I've never seen Brandon more nervous in my entire life. Brandon was like. <laughs> I've never talked to this guy like ever like I'm and I hit the home run off of him. I'm like, dude, he's not going to care. Like <laughs> it's fine. Just go talk to him. So he's like, he's being awkward, like shy. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, Brandon, just go talk to him. Like he's not going to, he'll probably joke about it. Like if anything, he's not going to like hate you because you hit a home run off of him in the playoffs. Like it's not going to happen. So they, they smoothed that over. Um, I think they're, they're, they're on speaking terms now, but it was, it was pretty funny to watch. <laughs> uh, it it kind of reminds me of, it kind of reminds me of the story Bob Euchre always tells about how he hit a home run off Sandy Koufax and he always apologized to him because he thought it would keep him out of the hall of fame. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. 
Um, I can completely picture that out of Woodruff too. The uh, yeah, good old country boy, Texas boy, country boy, shy, worried. No, it was funny. Yeah. So, so you would you would rather see the DH uh, be gone? You you don't want to see it back uh, in twenty twenty one? I don't know. I mean, I I feel like last year NL teams were kind of at a disadvantage because they like when we played the AL Central, they had the designated spot for the DH. Um, so like you're having to face Nelson Cruz, um, you know Miguel Cabrera. Uh, when he would DH, uh, so you're you're having to face guys like that where lineups are built for the DH. Whereas, like when we were in the NL Central, the DH oftentimes was like, you know, you would give Yelly the day off and let him DH, but then you know your bench guy would come in and play for. So it was like it was a little different vibe when we played the NL teams. Not to say that it wasn't a good hitter you were facing, but you could definitely tell the lineups weren't built for um, the DH. And I think that's why, you know, some of these DHs that haven't signed yet, they're waiting to see, like, is the NL going to have the DH? Um, because that, I mean, for an NL team, that could like, NL team signs Nelson Cruz, like that changes your lineup, like big time. Oh, yeah. Um, or, you know, the way year that Ozuna had last year, like if you can throw him in the lineup as a DH and not have him in the outfield, um, that, I mean, that, that can change an NL lineup for sure. Yeah, it'd be really nice if we had known if it was going to be there or not back in like November, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's still. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, But you had to settle with me hitting triples. I mean, that was your only other option. So. <laughs> it's a good, hey, if, good if secondary gonna, option. If you're going to come out there and hit triples, I mean, maybe we maybe we should keep <laughs> DH away. Uh, there probably won't be many triples. Those are more cage triples. Uh yeah. More more batting practice triples, five five yeah. o'clock hero type stuff. Yeah. Yep. Oh well, you know, there, there there's places for that, but yeah. It there's just um it's just kind of interesting how that they've allowed it to go this long um w- without really kind of giving clarity. But you know, that that that's out of your control and mm-hmm. you know it's just kind of up to um the powers let be, I guess, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of exciting stuff to look forward to, whether it's you hitting triples or, um, you know, you (laughs) striking out the side or or whatever it is that that you got coming up. Um, So are we going to see the Brewers hoisting the commissioner's trophy at the end of the 2021 season? Yeah. I mean, these are always trap questions. I got to say, yeah, Uh, that was, that was the (laughs) one thing. So like, when I was in Korea, they'd always ask you these questions and they would always hold you to it. So it was like, and I would always see you guys do it. It's like, what are your, what are your goals for this year? And, you know, if I went out and I said I was going to win 20 games and throw 297 innings and strike out 500 people, like if I didn't do that, it was a failure. Hmm. So yeah. like I, I've learned, I've learned these trap questions now. I've learned them. <laughs> you guys aren't going to fool me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you, I'll be cliche. You take it one game at a time. And, you know, I, I think that we have the talent. Um, I think that, you know, we get our guys back playing the way that they have played baseball. And I don't see any reason why we can't. And it's even better to wait a year for it anyway, because then the fans will hopefully be able to see that in person. 
That was our plan all along. You're exactly right. Love it. Beautiful plan. Perfect. See, we're not. We're smart. We're we're smart. <laughs> it's not just yeah. there's a there's a master plan you guys don't know about, and we'll we'll let you know when it happens. Everything everything that we were planning. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll have to wait for that. Maybe you got to bring out a, you know, a giant like special trophy too, like like they had for uh for the dinos, the, the big sword. I, I know you said that wasn't. Like, yeah. The, there's. Like, big it's KBO not a trophy. thing. Yeah. It. You know, with all the attention that was on the KBO this year, there's a lot of fake news, um, mm. and it kind of it kind of drove me nuts a little bit. Uh, to be honest with you, being a, being a yeah. ESPN, I am a ESPN KBO insider. If you didn't, if you didn't know that, oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's it's amazing that you got a ESPN KBO insider on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know. A, this is a, a big honor. poll. Big, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but th- there's always fun, weird stuff like that that they would do. Um, I actually saw the one guy, uh, Ku Changmo Ku. I guess they had like a special one made for him. So he has like his own personal sword now. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So, so I'm if still they do like a, a special, like personal one, like every single year, didn't you win one with with Doosan? What what was the special uh, trophy for them? Um, I don't think we did anything. We took a no, selfie. Just... Like every team does some like weird thing. Like you can go back like one year, Doosan. This guy wore like an Iron Man costume. And like oh. everybody got around him and like they dropped down and he like threw his fist up. Uh, when I won, we took a selfie on the field. Um, but I don't think I got a special trophy. I still don't have my ring yet. Oh. So, yeah. I have a medal, but I don't have my ring. So that's a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. Probably got lost. You got to make a trip to South Korea there and get it. I would go back. I'm missing Korean food. I am oh, missing I some Korean food. So. What was your favorite Korean dish? Chajangmyeon uh, or chajangbap. It looks disgusting. Um, no. It's like this. It looks like they took the tar off of like the road when it's hot and they throw it <laughs> over no- noodles or rice. Um, when I first saw it, I was like, I'm not touching that. But it ended up being my favorite dish um, in Korea. It's really, really good. It's like a black bean sauce, and they usually put some like ground beef in it or some type of meat, mm-hmm. um, and then throw it. Usually, like fry an egg and put it on top. And then, you know, I don't go with a traditional Korean barbecue. I mean, that's good wherever you wherever you go. Grilled meat, like who doesn't like grilled meat? Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's kind of like going to get sushi and getting a California roll. Like you don't really like sushi, you know? Yeah. So. Now. Now I'm picturing tailgating at Brewers games, Korean food. I don't know if there's a way to match that up at some point this season, but I feel like I need to try now. Oh, we could we could do it. Yeah, we could do it for sure. <laughs> they they tailgate, and you wouldn't like this stuff. It's like dried squid um, outside the stadiums. I don't think you'd like it. Yeah. But they would do they would do like the street vendor food after games. Um, they have like little like rice cakes. Uh, and these like this like red sauce. They would do some different nice. uh, meats and stuff. So like we would leave our stadium, and imagine like tables being set up all around Miller Park, like little like eight top tables, um, mm-hmm. which was basic, which were basically like big oil drums that they just threw like a board on top of, with some folding chairs, but all around the stadium, and then 
as you're leaving, like there's no player parking lot. So like I'm walking out of the main gate in front of all of these people eating food, like trying to walk to my, well, I would go to the train, but like imagine me just parking in the lot. Hmm. Wow. So it was, it was, it was pretty cool. And then every, like you walk out and everyone's yelling your name and so it was, it was, it was pretty fun. Now, could you even imagine that happening at like, uh, like in Milwaukee, like happen. players just going through general parking? Yeah, it would never happen. And the thing is, the thing was, was like, I never felt threatened. I never felt, you know, I'm walking out with my three kids. And, right. You know, old ladies are touching them and <laughs> grabbing their cheeks and saying they're cute. Uh, but it was, it was, uh, it was, no, it was, it was neat to interact with fans. And you realize how like important fans are to the game. Um, and, you know, they come and support you, uh, win, lose, draw. Um, I think, you know, you asked about how I like Milwaukee. I think that's the cool thing about Milwaukee is that, like, if you're from Wisconsin, 99% of the time you are a Bucks fan, you are a Packers fan, you are a Brewers fan, University of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Like, there's really no, like, there's no split fandom. Right. So I think that's what's neat is, like, we are Milwaukee's team. Mm-hmm. like if you go anywhere like they're brewers fans you might have some weird cubs fans like maybe further south but for the most <laughs> part you don't um so i think that's what's neat about milwaukee and like when you talk about the fans and how important the fans are is you know uh i always loved playing in milwaukee as a visiting player because the atmosphere is so awesome yeah and and hopefully fairly soon here we can get it back to, to 40,000 fans cheering for you instead of against you as, as a visitor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I agree. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a good place to end off for uh, this week. Josh Lindblom, thank you so much for, for yes. coming on the pod and, and hey, talking to no us. Problem, was, guys. I appreciate you know, it. A, a lot of fun and, you know, good, good luck this season. Hopefully mm-hmm. uh, everything goes well and, you know, we'll see you hoisting the that commissioner's trophy and maybe a spe- maybe the brewers should have like a special like giant keg as like their as their celebratory trophy. I like it. I like it. That'd be good. With brewers, the new That's brewers. Right. The new brewers beer. beer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Josh Lindum, awesome. thank thank you so much for Yep, for no problem, guys. Thank you. Yep. I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. All right, so that'll do it for this week's edition of the Cold Brew Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Colbrew under, underscore pod uh, and subscribe uh, wherever you're listening to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, anywhere you get your podcast. Be sure to listen and follow. For Josh Lindblom, for Matt Carroll, I am David Gasper. We'll see you next week on the Cold Brew.